everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to David Locke coming up here momentarily. We actually got to hang out with Locke a little bit last week. It was fun. Yeah, yeah, it's a pleasure. Over there at the practice facility, we were waiting to do some one-on-ones with the new jazz players, and we got a, got a chance to chill with David. We did. How would you describe off-mic David? Uh, Well, he's a lot like on-mic David. That's exactly what I was going to uh-huh. say. That's part of what I like about his radio calls. I mean, it's he pours he pours all of David Locke into those broadcasts. There's no doubt about it. One time, uh, many many years ago, Locke and I were with a group of people, and we were at a local restaurant, and there was somebody there who many of us didn't know, and so David and I were going back and forth, and other people who were in our business were going back and forth, and we were talking. We were talking all these sports topics. It was it was like it was like being on the radio, really. And then I turned to the young lady who was sitting there, and I said, "So, what do you do?" <laughs> and we all laughed about that. But yeah, David is uh, is pretty authentic through and through. I think he is who he is. Yep. And when it sounds like he. Worked uh, all night to prepare a broadcast because he finds some stat that nobody even has ever thought of. Or if he invents his own stats, which I've, which I've heard David do before, it's because he was all night, up all night, combing through everything. It's just kind of part I, of his I charm. Have no, well, that stuff doesn't just distill upon him like uh, manna from heaven. But I am I, I, I am glad we're talking to him today. feels like it's been a couple of weeks since we talked to David. I want to... You get his thoughts on now that he's gotten a chance to really converse with these guys face to face and and kind of get a feel for how everything is going to fit together. I'm anxious to get his or excuse me, eager to get his opinion. Yeah, I'm going to cure myself of that. By the way, one of these days, doing a show with you, I'm going to stop. I, I think saying it's gotten to the point where anxious. it's it's been it's been accepted. But you're totally right, though. Anxious implies like anxiety. Yeah, yeah. Eagerness is uh-huh. I'm excited to get to it. Yeah. So I want to I want to use the correct word. I don't know why I can't get anxious out of my brain. Okay. Well, I mean, force a habit, man. Force a habit. You guys who really are good at talking uh, fast and getting through things, you put it you put it on uh, remote control. That's really burned me in the past. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it has on occasion, hasn't it? Uh, <laughs> Once know, in a while, it's those, really uh, burned me. Bulging. Uh, yeah, discs and that's and not even my worst one. Either. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, you can't you can't do it any other way. No, you know? no I just got to watch that autopilot, man. <laughs> Gets a mind of its own every once in a while. That's a good way to say it. All right, joining us now, the radio voice of the Utah Jazz. He's our good friend David Locke with us on the Big Show. Hi, David. How are you? So, David, we were just talking about you. Uh oh. 
And uh, we were talking about... Never a good thing, by the way. No, it was a good thing. We were talking about how you do your research and how you're up all night looking stuff up and find getting to, uh, you know, compiling uh, information and then drawing a conclusion from it. So my question to you is when you're when you have moments like we talked when the last time we talked with you, you said you got a bike ride in, I think that morning or whatever. When you're in that mode, are you able to forget about these things and think about because I know you're a renaissance man. You think about a lot of things. But can you can you get yourself to get away from what you do professionally? Uh, So today I rode and I listened to Trevor Noah's Born a Crime for the first hour. And then the second hour, I kind of worked, and I was hoping to ride for two and a half hours, and at about the 140 mark, I thought of all sorts of great ideas on something, and so I biked back home quickly so that I could start working on that. So So that sort of? That kind of a halfway. Yeah, yeah, so of. my three-hour ride became two hours and ten minutes. <laughs> okay, so I have a selfish question to ask you. Yeah. Um, if you were going to uh, give advice, counsel me and Jake or Austin or our listeners, one book, one book, David, that we have to read. Which one would you pull? Oh, oh, is um, is this for like life skills and to make you a better person? Or is this just because of the pure enjoyment of reading it? Your, or is your, this for your, the literary your, your choice? Literary genius. Your choice. Important for us to read. Oh, I mean, this is the most enjoyable book I've ever read in my life is Winds of War by Herman Woke. Mm. Um, and then the best part about it is I didn't suggest it, but it has a sequel. So then you'd have two books that so I give you 2000 pages. Um, who is the guy who survived the Holocaust that wrote that book? Was it Isel Weisel or something like that? Could be. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. That, like Weisel. the meaning of life, or, mm. the meaning of life or something like that. Mm. Yeah. Like that's kind of, I have to read. And then, um, my random one that Gordon, I would tell you to read, um, is a book called blindness. Hmm. It made it into a bad movie, but it's like the most incredible book I've read, partially because I think it was translated from Spanish. Um, it's all about um, it's about a city that gets blindness as a contagious disease and then has to deal with it. Um, and one of the, so they start quarantining, anyone who gets it. And some, uh, I think it was a wife sneaks in with her husband, even though she's not blind. She pretends to be blind because she wants to be with her husband. So she's able to see everything that's going on. And it's this idea of like, well, what would, a little bit of society, what would they, what would people actually do if you, if you couldn't tell? And if there was no, like, you, you know, would you be good? Would you be bad? What would you do? Hmm. Pretty fat, pretty deep. Jose, somebody or other, pretty incredible. Actually, really incredible because I was reading it during Katrina, mm. where evidently a lot of what took place in that book unfortunately happened inside the Superdome when there was no power, and we put somehow we put ten. Despite you know when Barbara Bush said their lives might be better inside there than they are, and they're you know one of the worst comments anyone's ever made. Um, you know, God rest her soul, but that was a bad moment. Um, so that was kind of interesting because I was reading it then. So I'd say those are my quick three that come to mind. Now that you brought that up, I have a recommendation for you. I want it. It's a movie, and it's a foreign flick. But And I know that turns a lot of people off, but I'm telling you, David, I think you would appreciate it. And it, uh, it makes you appreciate freedom and what freedom is really all about. It's a movie called The Lives of Others. Have you ever heard of Ooh, it? Okay. No. Check that out. I'm, 
I'm not a very good movie person, so this will be good for me. No, I think you would like it, even though it's, okay. it's in German, but uh, it, with the subtitles. But it is. Oh yeah, watching. that'd yeah. be great. All right, David. Thank we, you. We um, we saw you last week, which was fun, by the way, hanging out. Uh, getting yeah, me and you got to hang out a little bit. I liked it. Yeah, it was it, it was great. And I want to ask you about the about the new guys that we got a chance to talk to with uh, with Green and Davis and Moutier. But but come at it from the angle of fit from a personality standpoint, because we got a chance to interact with them a little bit, and you're you're certainly very familiar with the inner workings of the Jazz locker room. So what do you think about personality fit that sort of thing? Are they jazz guys? So it's interesting. I haven't. I, I just aired Ed Davis on Locked on Jazz today, so I actually haven't gone back to listen to yours yet. I was purposely waiting until I had posted mine, so I wasn't impacted in any way. Um, so I will go back and listen to yours this week, and you and I never got a chance to talk about what all the guys were like. Um, I was struck by Ed Davis and Jeff Green of what adults they are. Like I finished my conversation with them and thought, oh, I could go to dinner with them. I felt that way about a bunch of our guys last year, too. You know, there's certain guys you you don't have enough in common with just from an age standpoint, both these kids guys were parents as well as players. And both, I just thought, I thought they were adults. Um, so the fit in the locker room, I think is really good. I think what's really interesting is that I, I almost have the feeling it's Mike Conley's locker room already. Yeah. Um, and I think that will be, I think that'll be difficult. I think that's going to be really interesting. Now, Mike Conley sounds like he is one of the greatest people ever in this league and I cannot tell you how many people have emailed me or reached out to me and told me that and you know just just kind of unsolicited um and so but I do think that's going to be interesting because this was kind of but it wasn't Donovan and Rudy's locker room last year either so um you know Donovan's the the most high profile player and Rudy might a little bit be the one but golly you get tired of Rudy if you're with him all year because he's demanding you to be great every second of every minute of every day and so to some extent I think it's Quinn's locker room um, and then I just think it was a collection of players uh, you know I think Rubio was a little bit of the soul and Jay had a little element to it and Jay's voice was loud to you know guys heard Jay and they heard Tabo um, I think it's going to be really valuable for Donovan to have a new voice, and that's going to be Conley, who I think he turns to and listens to and asks about life. Um, I think Rudy will still try to, you know, will have his impact, but maybe in a better way. Maybe Rudy can just be that guy that's demanding you to perform at a level of excellence at all time and not have to try, then also turn around and try to lead the locker room. So, But it's pretty clear to me it's Mike Conley's locker room when the veterans are all signing here because Mike Conley signed here. And then if you've read about Bojan, he is, Bogdanovich, is, he is dead quiet. He is very private, very little personality. I don't know. I mean, I know his background. I don't know if this is a fair, like, is that when you grow up in the middle of a civil war with like this incredible, like, I mean, he was in the middle of the Bosnia Herzegovina war and he would get out of it by playing basketball in Europe. Um, like, is that the impact of that? Like, I don't know, but he is very private from everything um, I've read about him and been told about him. And so um, in that regard, I don't think he'll have a big locker room impact. I think he'll just go out and play every day. Um, so it'll, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how this how this all plays out. So there's the mental side of it, the social side of it, and the physical side of it. Have you gotten any close closer to a conclusion as you've thought these things through, David, about how the physical parts are going to fit together? So I mean, I, I mean, I I'm a floor. Um, <laughs> 
I mean, I think a lot of the other stuff's just BS. Just make the beeping shot, man. Like, you know, we can have the greatest team chemistry and all the heart in the world and the best guys and donate all the money to five for a fight, but if you can't shoot, it doesn't matter, man. Like, like right? Like, those things are really important in real life, and that matters. But, like, if we're talking about for the 48 minutes where they're keeping score, they're not – you're not – you don't get, like, Mike Conley's sportsmanship and – um, community award does not get us ahead for nothing every day. It might mean we play harder every night because we have respect for each other as players. I mean, you watched Jeff Green's Washington Wizards team last year, and at least in my opinion, he didn't seem as negative about it when I talked to him. But, I mean, that team just didn't have any connectivity, and so they were all playing for themselves, and they looked terrible. Um, so in that sense, that stuff matters. But, like, by the time you get to where it really matters, everyone's, like, everyone's connected. Um, I guess the Rockets weren't as much as we thought, but so maybe to my point, it's just the route, like you got to make shots. And the physical part of this is we got guys who can make shots. I mean, um, I've been working on a project for the last week and a half, and I keep failing at it, trying to work on how good the Jazz offense can be based on the shot quality they get and the players they have. And I've been really, I thought I had something and then it kind of fell apart. Um, but, you know, if you believe the Jazz got as many good looks they got last year because of Quinn's offense and not just because people weren't guarding Jay Crowder, Ricky Rubio, and Derek Favors. And, you, and, you know, Joe Ingles got an awful lot of really good looks last year, and he, people know who he is. So if you believe that same thing's going to translate to these other guys, there's a really legitimate chance, if you buy that, that the Jazz will be the number one shooting team in the NBA this year. And if that's the case, oh, boy. I mean... You know, my numbers don't love us um, yet for some Emmanuel Moutier's kills the possessions and Dante's, the switch from Corver to Dante hurts us significantly and Donovan's inefficient. So those three things are driving the numbers down. But on some other stuff that I start pulling, we do feel a lot like last year's Milwaukee Bucks. David Locke with us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. David, I want to ask you a question Gordon asked me, and I'm curious to your answer, of course. But uh, out of the uh, – and I don't mean this as an insult, but the, the secondary acquisitions, so not Bojan or Mike Conley, who is the most important – maybe not who is the best, but who is the most important addition to the team? Wow, that's really interesting. So – I think Jeff Green is the best, and Jeff Green will have the largest impact, and I think Ed Davis or Emmanuel Moutier is probably the most important. How's that for just dancing around <laughs> the answer completely? So here's my thought. I think Jeff Green will play the most prominent role, and I think Jeff Green will have the biggest impact. Um, but I think if Jeff Green doesn't have that big an impact, that George Niang can do it or Royce O'Neal can slide into that position. Or the Jet, and I don't think the Jazz will close with Jeff Green. So I just think they – now, if Ed Davis somehow – like Ed Davis really needs to make sure that Rudy plays well so that Rudy Gobert can get 14 minutes off a night or maybe 16 minutes off a night. And that's something Ed Davis is totally capable of doing. And there's no doubt he can do that in any way. That's exactly who he is. And in my interview with him, he just was such an, such incredible guy talking about how he DNP to Memphis and changed his career and, and how content, like I said, like, well, how can you be so content with 16 minutes a night? And just, that's not most players are content with it. His answers were so great. Then you get to Emmanuel Moutier and what happens if Emmanuel Moutier is bad? Which is, like, 
not a crazy thought, right? Like, we're, we're like Emmanuel Moutier was good in a bad was good last year for a really bad New York team. He was really really bad for a Denver team, which was bad, and he had no chance to be good at. So I don't even have any idea what to think of what he's going to do this year. But what happens if he's bad? Then who has to play? It's a heck of a question, right. Dante. I guess. Right. So the, Right, and so then Dante's your backup point guard. Are we all right with that? <laughs> Is he healthy? <laughs> oh, I mean, Dante and Emmanuel Moody are like stunningly similar at this point in their career. Stunningly similar. Like, Dante's career three-point shooting is like 29, and Moutier's is 30. Their field goal percentages are the same. I think Dante's played 206 games. Moutier's played 246. Like, they're they're stunningly similar. One of them's body is holding up. The other isn't. Dante's good defensively. Manuel has not been good defensively. Neither of them, both of them, they're, it's fascinating. Both of them played no basketball before they got to the NBA. <clears throat> so Moutier, junior and senior year, he can't play high school ball because he's at the, the Eon Sanders Prime Academy and they get ruled elite that they're not, you know, they recruited illegally and so they can't play. So he can't play. And then he goes and gets offered $1.2 million for a seriously impoverished family and stunningly says, yeah, I'll take that and goes to China and plays 12 games on a sprained ankle. Dante's playing Australian high school basketball, which might be the same game Tony Jones is playing with at Excel Fitness. Probably not as good. And then his agent, Rob Polinka, now Lakers general manager, it's a hell of a job, and he decides to not let Dante play because there's all this hype about Dante. And if you actually dig into Dante's like international career, the one time he played the U.S., he sprained his ankle like eight minutes in. Marcus Smart kicked the crap out of him. And he didn't come back in a game because they were down by 20, so why would he play? And most of his international games aren't against very – none of them are against an NBA player or very good players. And so, like, these two guys both got just – then Denver, for no particular – good reason starts Emmanuel Moody a 20 68 games that year and makes him play 30 minutes and he's terrible no surprise he hasn't played in three years and we put Dante out there because Trey Burke's so bad that Dante starts the second half of the season but kind of with the rule of like do not just do nothing and then when he starts to get better he tears his ACL so he's been crippled by injuries Moody has just been crippled by lack of opportunity in playing I mean they're stunningly similar maybe they're both going to click in maybe neither of them are good I don't have any idea Final question, David, for me is there was uh, quite a, I don't know, a lot of people noticed that uh, video that went viral yesterday of Rudy Gobert shooting three-pointers, uh, and he hit a bunch of them. Now, this is uh, this is not a question about him shooting three-pointers, because I don't think that's going to happen, but is could he develop with his technique, his stroke, could he develop a 10-foot shot, a 12-foot shot, uh, a useful shot oh, a little bit away from the basket? Well, I'd rather him shoot a three. Just because so, it's more? Yeah, I mean, just the, what, what do you think the max possibility of him making a 10-foot shot is? 40%? Probably about right. Four, right. I mean, that's like, there aren't many guys in the league that are actually better than 40 on that. So the 15-foot jumper at the free throw line, Rather have him just play out like Brooke Lopez and shoot the three. Since Brooke Lopez de- developed a three, you know, if you work at it enough, I think you can probably get it. He's turned himself into a half decent um, free throw shooter, about seventy percent. I don't want him taking as many as Brooke Lopez, but on the other end, 
you know, if you're playing the Milwaukee Bucks and the NBA Finals and they're putting Brook Lopez down at the base of the rim on every single possession and forcing you to drive right into him and Rudy Gobert could shoot a three, then that would be nice because when we play the Bucks in the NBA Finals this year and Adam Silver dies when it's a Utah-Milwaukee Finals and they have Brook Lopez down at the very bu- you know, we they pull Brook Lopez out from three, it's going to be really hard on Rudy. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I've seen Rudy shoot threes a lot, so this video did not have any impact on me. He does it after every practice. Um, and so he's worked on it. And it's all right. I mean, I think I think it's a reasonable possibility for him to take one or two a game. And, and let me say this. If he'd like to win his third straight defensive player of the year award, he can do whatever he wants. Jake and I have a have a contest going on. Who will be the first one to – was it attempt or make? Make. First one to make a three-point shot in a live game, Rudy Gobert or Ben Simmons? <laughs> I took Rudy. Glad you didn't say – you took um, – there was a viral video of Ben Simmons too, right? Or was that um, – then there was the Giannis video. Gosh, well, we could do it, editing videos. Well, there's also viral videos of Ben Simmons clanking about five in a row, so it depends on which one you're talking about. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, from the things I've heard, the fact there's actually video of Ben Simmons shooting shots is a step up from last year. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Well, David, it's always a pleasure, and especially when you come on and give me something uh, to add to my nookbook, The Winds of War. I will be uh, downloading it shortly. Oh, that is my, that is my all-time favorite. All right. Very nice. Well, we always appreciate you jumping on with us, man. Thank you very much. See ya. David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, coming on, giving us literary advice, breaking down the fit with the new players. Oh, He good. kind of agreed with me that Jay, Jeff Green is the most important addition. <laughs> I think that's a good selection, you know, other than the main guys. All right, uh, David joined us on the Sprint Special Guest Line, of course. Customers can get the fantastic iPhone X for 50% off with FlexLease. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Uh, more coming up next. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is DJ and PK. Greg Rubel, play-by-play voice of the BYU Cougars. You talk about the standard is the bowl. And you know, I don't have any problem with that, but my standard is a little bit better than last year. Is that fair? Sure. Eight wins would be a little bit better. And if you can cobble eight wins out of this year's schedule, I think you're a really good football team. There's just enough danger spots on this schedule this year to where if you're playing in a bowl game, you're pretty good. If you're winning eight games, I think you're really good. Anything beyond that, I think you're even better than maybe lofty expectations might have been in the preseason. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10. Presented by WCF Insurance, reminding you to be careful out there. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. We're not against rap. We're not against rappers. But we are against those thugs. 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 Big show, 97.5, The Zone. Check out the Tour of Utah podcast up at 1280thezone.com. Learn how to train for the summer of cycling and the best spots to catch the upcoming Tour of Utah race. Again, that's up at 1280thezone.com. 
You look like you're deep in thought over there. No, that I'm or just... you just have something in your teeth. No, about both. <laughs> I was reading something. Something you want to share, or something for the Not Sports Report? Oh, I see, I see. Not Sports Report coming up in the very next segment, so make sure and stay tuned for that. Gordon, I uh, wanted to get your thoughts on Mike Pecky. Yes. He's been suspended three games. He's already served one of those game suspension. He's been fined twenty five grand. He's been um, uh, criticized by Major League Soccer, by Real Salt Lake, by the tournament that he. Uh, criticized the officials, to put it mildly, and uh, everybody not real happy with what Mike Pecky is doing. And in fact, RSL is making him undergo anger management classes. Yeah, based on the information that I was told about what may have been uttered, it was it uh, it would not be it would not be acceptable. So when I talked with Mike, I remember I did that big long feature on him. Uh-huh. Uh, when was that? Uh, Last year, month or two ago. Something like that. Mm. No, it was recent. Okay. And relatively recent. And he said sometimes he he gets angry, you know. But the quote I remember was, it was him quoting his wife after he kept getting fined and he kept uh, acting out. He came home and his wife said, and I quote, what the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> Well, twenty five k. That's a hefty fine for a for a major league soccer soccer coach. I don't know exactly what he's making, but what the hell just happened? That's got to take a bite out of it, right? Yeah, that's I mean, a lot it, of money. What the hell just happened? What the hell's wrong with you? Well, those are good questions sometimes. And in this case, with Mike, uh, I think that question needed to be asked. And you know, it's a severe penalty. And I, I like his fire. I like his some of the things, the humor and the toughness that he brings. But man, you got to know where the line is. And I know that line moves from individual to individual. He didn't punch the ref. Yeah, he called him a name that maybe he shouldn't have. So you know, I mean, that's just something that a coach has to figure out how far to push it, and where it becomes, where it's uh, productive and where it's unproductive. Mm. Yeah, I would agree. Can I ask you this about soccer? And and granted, I am no soccer aficionado, and I know all the soccer purists out there will uh, no doubt at me on Twitter uh, very critically, but why don't they add some more referees? At least in Major League Soccer. From the, from, you know, it's people, a big field. From people that I've talked to, especially Major League Soccer, that the refereeing is just dreadful. So when you say more referees, you mean better referees? No, no, or no, you no. mean more on the field? I'm more saying that at least if if your league is has a reputation of, of the refereeing being that poor, maybe you should explore doing something else. I don't want to I don't want to speak for the entire officiating world of soccer as large it is as it is. But I know refereeing in major league soccer is not terrific. And like you say, that is a giant field and you have two uh uh, linesmen or whatever they're called, mm-hmm. and then you have the the referee. Why not throw a couple of bodies, a couple more bodies out there? Maybe you could be a little bit better. Not that I'm excusing Mike's behavior. I'm more just thinking. I've always wondered that about soccer. They could one guy really cover all of that? Yeah, ground? essentially, they have as many guys really with the main guy out on the field. They have as many guys that cover an NBA game or that uh, call one. Right. And it's a much, much bigger space. Huge. Yeah, soccer fields are huge. 
and more players. So and you're doing more, more running and and all that sort of thing. I, w- I always wondered why not add here's more why. officials. And usually because, I don't advocate for this sort of yeah, thing. But here's the, the thing, you know, in in my experience, these soccer purists who want to hang on to whatever it's been in the past. I mean, I, I, I can see a lot of pushback for that. Why? Because this is the way it's been done. Well, see, and I think, but I, I get soccer purists when people say, get rid of offsides <clears throat> or make the goal bigger or those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. I understand where they're coming from. They're significantly altering the game. Mm-hmm. But I don't think adding more eyeballs to officiate it correctly would be... Uh, would be necessarily completely altering the game. And by the way, why are we okay with it in all the other sports where we add all this painstaking replay that turns games into marathons, but yet in soccer it's like, whoa, 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 hey, hey. Aren't they adding something in that regard? I don't know. So you're shifting now the blame from uh, Mike Petke to the officials. Mm, Well, I'm not trying to shift any blame. I'm just trying to... I mean, we could have a conversation about Mike Petke's uh, poor choose, uh, choice of words, or we could maybe further the conversation into something that I always wondered why it wasn't explored. Uh, yeah, okay. Because well, I, I, nobody's going to approve of, of his language or his behavior. He needs to dial it back. Yeah. And actually, he's being fined he is. accordingly. He's suspended right. three games. I mean, this is, this is going to hurt. No, it will. And I think it'll get his attention. And he's a smart guy. Uh, he's a charismatic guy. I think he's a capable guy. Uh, and, you know, I mean, RSL is really kind of, they haven't really put it together this year, you know? And he's probably feeling the pressure of so that, So there's too, a lot the going on. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but I like Mike. I, I like uh, I like the visit I had with him and the conversation we had. And uh, it, it was he's he's an interesting guy and he's a fiery guy. He is. Uh, but but you got to know you got to know how far you can take it before it's no longer going to be a positive. And I'm I think in this case it went too far. You want to give us a tease for the non-sports report? Uh, well, it's kind of when the crap hits the fan. We'll get to that coming up next. Stay tuned. Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. We're talking about things that you used to love and you're no longer doing. I've rekindled a relationship. Growing up, I loved going golfing. And then uh, eventually I completely fell out of love with golfing. But recently, I got back into it. Oh, did you? Like, I shouldn't close doors to old relationships. Really? So what golf, like, reached out to you on Facebook randomly? or? <laughs> well, we're still friends. See- Just because we don't see each other all the time doesn't mean I don't care about her golf. Doesn't mean I don't hope that she golf has a good life. Mm-hmm. Just do lunch every now and again, huh? I mean, if we're both free. What does baseball think about this? I still love baseball. I'll always be there for baseball. Our timeline just isn't matching up. Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5-1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Check this out. And now your not sports report on 97.5-1280 The Zone. And the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, 
Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Time for the Not Sports Report. Brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Shop online, lhmusedcars.com. Gordon, where are we headed today? We're going to the Windy City. Chicago? Chicago. Okay. So, uh, this is kind of one of those weird neighborhood spats All right. type of story. Okay. So, a man who... It's a long story, but let me try to whittle it down to so, so we can just do it quickly here. A man who rescued a neighbor's runaway dog was stunned to have a baseball bat pulled on him by the dog's owner. So he retaliated over a period of, uh, a long period, of throwing his own dog's poop, bags of it, onto the other guy's porch. Okay, so he's he's trying to return the dog. The The owner greets him with a baseball bat, basically saying, why are you bothering me? Yeah. And, and so then that guy was bent out of shape. So for an extended period of time, when he'd walk his dog, his dog right. would do the business. He put it in the bag and then lob the bag onto the onto the porch. Right. And there's other details that I won't get into right now. But that's the but, gist of yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The man was mad at him, and so he thought he deserved a thank you for rescuing his dog because his dog ran off uh-huh. during the polar vortex that was going on a few a number of months ago in the, in the winter. And so he went and got the dog, and he thought he deserved a thank you for that. But and was he, greeted with a baseball yeah. bat. And so he retaliated by flinging bags of his dog's poop onto the guy's porch. And then then the guy started posting, posting uh, placards around the neighborhood looking for witnesses of the baseball attack, baseball bat attack. So I, I I'm a little I'm a little I, I'm not quite sure how I feel about this. I mean, does, Wait, the guy was does the, the retaliation fit the crime or how, I mean, what, how do you, what? wait wait wait? So the, the let me let me get this timeline straight here. He was attacked with the bat and then threw the poo, or was throwing the poo and then attacked oh, with yeah, the yeah, bat? Yeah, yeah, I got it backwards. Sorry. Well, yes. I, uh, okay. So the guy greeted uh, the poo thrower initially, not so warmly. Right. The poo thrower got offended mm-hmm. and so started throwing the dog poo. Yeah, because he wanted to thank you. And then when he started throwing the poop, then the, the, the dog the owner, guy the, caught the him. victim then caught him and, and allegedly went after him like uh, like the old man with the pitchfork, only with a baseball Attacked bat. him with a bat. And attacked his dog, too. For throwing the poop. For throwing the poop. Yeah, sorry about that. And now he's looking for some sort of justice with no, the, with the uh, witness. Uh, well, thing? he says he's not even really looking. He doesn't even know if he's going to press charges or whatnot. But he just he he wants a thank you. But is that? I mean, which side of this are you on? Oh, jeez. I mean, you don't want to attack anybody with a bat. No, that's that's too far. And, Even if they're flinging poop at you. And the the poop was probably annoying. Oh, there was also a cup of coffee that was flung at the guy, at the at the the guy with the bat. Now that's too far. So the <laughs> the poop thrower defended himself with some scalding hot coffee. Uh yes. This is real. This is a real this story. Is a real story. Yeah. Golly. 
I love I love his instinct when somebody's coming at him with a bat. Be like, well, all I've got is my coffee. So let's. Hope, you want it? You got it. <laughs> let's hope this deters him. So now the poop thrower is 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 putting these posters on trees around the neighborhood, looking for witnesses uh, to the assault. What a mess! What a mess, man! It just makes it worse. The you, first guy should have just said thank you and chilled out. And then the other guy wouldn't be flinging the poop, and then the other guy wouldn't be, you know, bringing the bat out. So is uh, let me. Uh, uh, so is retaliation against a neighbor ever okay? Not. I'm not talking about the bat. I'm more talking about the the flinging. You don't fling poop on your neighbor's porch. No, and, and it was like four or five bags of it. You know. So here, here. Follow it. You do not throw crap at your neighbor. I think that's in the good book, isn't it? You ever read? Thou shalt not. You ever retaliated against a neighbor? Um, I don't think so. I, I don't. I can't think of any time when I did that. No. You? No, I don't think did so. Did you go after Grandma? No, no, in no. the next house? No, no, no. I, I, what did you do? No, I've never retaliated no. against a, a neighbor. I I called the junior high school by my house because. Kids were walking through my yard on their way to the bowling alley. <laughs> What's the junior high going to do? <laughs> it was during school. So what? You want them to be nailed for truancy? No, 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 no. It's these uh, these PE classes. Get those teachers out there that aren't doing nothing and make sure these kids don't walk through my yard. No, these PE classes walk to the bowling alley, and they walk on my street to the bowling alley because they do for for a PE activity or whatever. They go bowling. Mm-hmm. And they would, uh, you know, I saw one of the kids throw something in my house. I pulled up while they were throwing something in my house. So mm. I angrily called the principal. At that the that part sounds made up. At the junior, no, I don't. I don't know what it was, but they were throwing. <laughs> so I saw them with my own two eyes. I believe you. Believe you saw them. Yes. Hmm. So I didn't retaliate. I just called the school to complain. Are you that kind of guy? You're a complainer. I was that day. Was the teacher walking to and from with them? Well, there's like 500 kids and, and two teachers. I know. So what do you want them to do? Not walk by my house? I don't know. What, do they have to go bowling? <laughs> Change the curriculum. Man, you were get off my lawn, dude. Quite literally in this sense. Uh, in this case, I should say. Okay, I've acknowledged that you've told the story, so I'm not one-upping you. But, Just simply acknowledging it. But, uh, no, I'm acknowledging That's it. That's a good story. It's, 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 I don't think I can top I'm that. I'm not going to try and top it. But, but when, I, when, I, when I was a kid, I fired a BB gun off, and it it uh, hit my neighbor's window. And so the neighbor called the cops. And I, I don't know what I was shooting at. I wasn't shooting at his window, but I hit his window. And so later on, like a few hours later, I'm at home alone, sleeping. None of my family was there. And a police officer comes in my front door. Comes in without uh, without a warrant or anything? Just like in, kicks in your front door? He didn't kick it in, but he I guess he knocked the door. Maybe the door wasn't locked. So he came in. It came into my where I was. I was sleeping in front of the TV set, and I was just a kid. I mean, I don't know how old I was. I mean, twelve. I don't know. And so he comes in and he wakes me up, and I wake up and there's a police officer there. And I'm like, "What's going on?" Because I 
shot the neighbor's window with a BB gun. And my dad was pretty upset about that. You know, someone coming in. I don't know the rules. I was 12 years old. I don't know, but it seems like you're right. To enter a home, don't you? Doesn't there have to be sort of an imminent situation going or on? permission of some sort, yeah. Or a court order. Now, I didn't mean to shoot the window, and I was sorry. But I always uh, looked at that those folks with... Uh, I think one time I poured a glass of mashed potatoes onto my neighbor, into my neighbor's car. <laughs> because of something he did to he hit my dog. He did something to my dog. So I was like ten at that point. Man, all these stories are coming back to me now. But I am a good neighbor. How are you? And he was a good neighbor too, as it turned out. He owned a sub shop. And we used to go to his sub shop all the time. Hmm. So I apologize for the mashed potatoes. Let's see. <laughs> Not as good as your story, I know. I just- I'm just that. giving you the room to, to, to tell it. Maybe it's time for you to change the subject. Just giving you the giving you some space. Give That's me some all. Sp- give me enough rope to hang myself <laughs> over here. A little, a little space to to delight us all with a delicious anecdote <laughs> from your youth. <laughs> it was scary. <laughs> sure. Oh no, it was scary. <laughs> all right. When a, when a police officer comes into your house. Coming up next, we'll talk a little college football camps. Beginning, officially. Dirk Facer sent out a pretty hilarious tweet uh, of uh, a picture from Utah camp, which was, of course, the front of the football facility where they're being told that they have to stop and wait because we can't watch any of camp this year. Ah. So, it was, Well, you know, these are like uh, state secrets going on. Yeah, it's the Manhattan Project over there. I got it. Great importance. National security, all that. Yeah. That's so dumb. It is It's dumb. so freaking dumb. Now, here I go. I'm going to get up on my soapbox. Here I can't. I got to do it. What the hell's the matter? Why are these things so secret? What do they think? What do they think? What's going on? Huh? Let the people in. Yeah, I would agree. Oh, it makes goodness. our jobs easier, but I guess, you know, that's not what What do they think's going to happen? Well, PK is going to spill trade secrets, obviously. He's going to record the uh, everything going yeah, on and, and then, then mail it to Arizona State. Yeah. <laughs> well, Arizona State doesn't seem to need the help. Nope. That was funny. I got that. Nice. Very subtle. Well executed. Unless that's what's been going on for a while now. Stay tuned. More next. Last Nin- year? 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. From the Mercury News, John Wilner. I think all of us were fairly confident that Utah would be picked to win the South Division. I was a little surprised that they were picked to win the entire thing. You know, I was one of those who picked them to win the whole thing. If you think Utah's a heavy favorite in the South, then it's just one game for that Pac-12 championship against the North winner. And I've picked them to beat Oregon. I just think it'll be a good matchup for them. You know, they can take away Oregon's strengths on the offensive line and with Justin Herbert. But that's really what it came down to to me is, okay, Utah's clear pick in the South. Can they win that one game? And the, the experience from last year, I think, will, will help them considerably if they get to Levi Stadium. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to 3. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. All right, 